Come on, all across the house. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? Come on, really clap your hands like you mean it. Lord, I love you, Jesus. We're here to worship you. God, I give you a sacrifice of praise. Worthy is the name of the Lord. Worthy is the name of the Lord. Worthy is the name of the Lord. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I can feel a little bit of last week this week. I'm going to try that. I can feel a little bit of last week this week. I believe that there's some people in the house that built an altar this week. That we made an intention to walk into the presence of God in our personal time. Amen. Hey, I want y'all to know that I am happy and thrilled to be able to worship. I consider it a privilege to be able to worship. I consider it a privilege to be able to praise my God. And I know there's some people missing this morning. You know why? Because they missed the clock this morning. Who all here this morning knew that it seemed like it was about an hour earlier than what it should have been? It wasn't just me? Okay, thank you very, very much. My, my automatic alarm went off at 4.45 this morning. I woke up, I sat up, I read a little bit, I prayed a little bit. I said, you know what, I could sleep a little bit. I was wrong. I slept more than a little bit and I woke up. I woke up my wife and said, we got to move. Wake up some kids, throw some shoes at them. We got to get to church this morning. Hey, I have the wonderful, amazing privilege of having somebody here this morning, two somebodies that are very important. Pastor Rob, would you come here for me right quick? I know you did not intend. The last time he didn't, it, was, it wasn't. But y'all know this man right here. Look at this. 58 years old, climb up like it ain't even there. Good morning, everybody. Do me a favor, stand up on your feet and give God a hand clap of praise like you know he knows he's worthy of it. Pastor, Pastor gave me a little bit of liberty right here, so I'm going to see what this guy from Panama City can do. Is that all right? Can I tell y'all something? That you, I, I was listening this morning, and the gentleman that was opening up the service was talking about, y'all going to be standing in just a second. I'm, no, y'all can sit down. I'm just kidding. I'm just so thrilled to be here today. Um, we do grandparent duty when we come, and I'm all about that. Amen. Somebody was walking out the store the other day, and they said, they were, they were arguing back and forth, and they were telling the mama, you old enough to be a grandmama, and she was older than we were. I was like, yeah, you are. Yes, you are, and you're going to be all right. It's all good. It's all good. If anybody asks, I'm doing well. Our family's doing well. We're blessed and highly favored. But I was listening to this gentleman when I came in this morning, and he's talking about where we're at in the world today. And then we began to sing about victory in the house. Let me, let me talk to you about victory in the house. Let me give you a shadow of revelation of understanding of liberty that's going on right now. Do you realize your king that you serve has never lost a battle? The only time the battle begins to seem like it's being lost is when your emotions get involved with what the word has already said is in place. We're going to stir it up for this pastor just a little bit, all right? David goes into a cave where Saul is pursuing him with 800 assassins. His men outside have told him, he said, look, go, go in there and kill him. You got the right to do it. See, some folk try to talk you into something you ain't supposed to be doing. Just because you look like you got the right to do it don't mean you ought to do it. You better find God's opinion and not your friend's opinion because they may be wrong because they may not be praying yet. Can I just stir it up a minute? Because I walked in here knowing that I had the victory even though everything in the world looks gloomy. Then this gentleman was talking about we need to pray for him. Yes, we do need to pray for him. They're in the midst of the heat of the battle. But when, since we're not in the heat of the battle, we can send the heat of the battle to them. I'm going to leave it right here. David goes in and cuts the robe off of King Saul and walks out and shows the men that are outside the cave and then turns around and shows King Saul. Does anybody know what it means when you cut a robe off of a king? It means he just lost his kingdom. And every king that takes over a kingdom takes that thread that they cut of that robe and sew it onto theirs. 
I remember when Isaiah said it something like this. When King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train that was sown on has filled the temple. Y'all ain't up in here with me yet. He ain't sown anything on. He ain't never lost nothing, and he's always had the victory. I'm trying to find somebody just will stir something up inside that already pronounces you have the victory because your king ain't never lost a battle. Your king has always been victory and the devil has never had a row. I wish I could get somebody to shout one time and give God the praise. Amen. Jeremy, come preach the word of the Lord. Y'all give him an ovation. Thank you for coming all the way from the snake handling hills of Alabama to preach the Cross Faith Church. Hallelujah. He could have kept going. My goodness. My goodness. Praise the Lord. I thank God for what I feel in here today. I'm telling you right now. And you know what? It makes it that much better when you know who you are. And it makes it that much better when you know in who you have believed. Can I tell you that God already knows who you are. He's just waiting on you to figure it out. Amen, somebody. I'm so thankful that I serve the Most High King. Amen. That I'm part of something. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Amen. About what God has already done in this service my goodness the the praise and the worship has been wonderful there's an anointing that's in here i'm telling you yes yes give god some praise amen we got to watch uh, uh pastor last week on the altar <laughs> what a powerful message that was a powerful message and today we were, I was talking to, to Pastor the other day. I was, I was at the gym. And you know if you're in the ministry, there's times God won't give you something until you get right up to the point. And they had sent me a text message. And they said, he said, hey, he said, shoot me your scripture. And I've got two things. I'm, I'm like, well, I don't know which one to send him because I don't know what to. And we were talking on the phone. And I, said, and I told him, I said, there's one I really feel. And he, there was one word that he said, and when he said it, God said, that's the one. And I said, all right. And today I want to talk to you about growth in the garden of rejection. Growth in the garden of rejection. I want to tell you something this morning. It does not matter your circumstance. It does not matter your environment. It does not matter where you are. It does not matter. When Jesus shows up, it has to change. It has to change. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be going to Mark the 6th chapter and the 30th verse. Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. Give you time to get there. Mark 6 and 30. It says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all these things both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. One passage of Scripture says a desolated place. For there were many coming. Or let me go back up. Say, Come yourselves apart to a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many of them knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he had came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the village and buy themselves bread, and they, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread? 
and give them to eat? He said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this service this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing that is in this house, God. And we thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we're believing that this morning, God, there's going to be growth that's going to happen in houses. There's going to be growth that begins to happen in marriages. We're believing that there's growth that's going to be happening, God, in our relationship. God, we give you the praise, the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, let the church proclaim. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to take with you, if you could, just Mark chapter 6. When we find in Mark 6 here where Jesus comes into his own people. And the first thing they say is, well, this is Jesus. He's just the carpenter. You see, they, they, didn't, they didn't want to see him for who he was. They didn't want to see him for what he operated in. They wanted to see him as just the person that they knew. There are going to be people that are in your life that they will never see the God that's inside of you. They'll, they'll limit it and they'll just say, well, this is just, this is just Brandon. I've known Brandon his whole life and all he ever was was this and that. But they'll never see the power of God that's within him. They will reject you and who you are. They'll, they'll, they'll think because of your past, there's no hope for you. They'll think because of where you've been, there's no hope for you. They'll think because of your circumstance that there is no hope. They'll say, ah, that's it for them. They've already had this happen to them. They backslid so many times or maybe they were in and out of jail there's no hope for them and they will immediately shut you down and they'll reject you and Jesus tells the, the disciples he said look if they don't receive you dust your feet off dust your feet off and leave I want to tell you this morning it is time that we stop trying to vindicate it's time that we stop trying to validate who we are if they do not receive you walk off quit trying to you don't have to validate yourself in the kingdom of God he speaks for you you don't understand your reputation might be sour with somebody else but God's not a God of your reputation he's a God of his word he's a God of his word so he tells him, he said, look, just go. Don't even worry about it. You see, Jesus puts himself in a position of rejection immediately. Do you understand that God is not going to make you do something he wasn't willing to do himself? He's not going to put you say, well, God, you don't understand. What are you talking about? I've had people say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm like, well, let me tell you something. Until you watch somebody die. Don't tell me you don't understand that God don't understand your situation. You see, he's not leading you anywhere. We think that he's some kind of bad prom date, that he's going to take us to the dance and leave with somebody else and because something is prettier over here. No, he chose you for a reason. He's not leading you to leave you. He chose you for a reason. He didn't say, oh, you know, well, they, they don't shine the way they used to, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to abandon this one, and I'm going to go over here. It doesn't work that way. He called you for a reason. He chose you for a reason. He's, he, see, that's what I love about him. It's not only will he dance with you during the fast song. He'll dance with you during the slow song. Honey, he'll dance with you when there's no song. He will stay with you. He will abide. And he will inhabit, but you've got to praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. You see, praise, that's a verb, that's an action word. So it's, it's always in motion. And when you're praising, that means that you're consistently moving forward. And see, when you're moving, it's hard to hit a moving target. The reason why some of the stuff, things that have been said about you haven't stopped you is because you're still praising. Because you're still praising. I've got people that talk about me all the time. You know why? I don't care because I'm still praising. Some of you shouldn't even be here right now. You just need to tell the devil, you should have flattened my tire, man. You shouldn't have even allowed me to get here. Because I'm still praising because what should have destroyed me, what should have killed me could not do it because of my praise. Because of what abides in me, keeps me thriving. It keeps me going. That's what I love about him. So Jesus tells him, he said, look, man, if they don't accept you, just leave. Just walk off. Can I tell you, sometimes you need to walk away from some of your family members. Walk off. You say, you don't understand. No, I don't. I do understand. 
But I want to, I'm telling you something, if you want to do kingdom work, if you want to step into what God has for you, you have to stop holding yourself back because of what your mama said. You have to stop holding yourself back because your daddy said you wasn't equipped. Well, daddy didn't call you. Daddy didn't equip you. Daddy's not inside of you, flowing through you. So sometimes you have to walk away. Your friends, I tell people all the time, if they don't have the same vision as you, if you're trying to exceed and you're trying to get bigger in God and they're content with where they are, they're not for you. They're not for you. You need to have somebody that's kingdom-minded, that is, their faith is limitless. Don't have somebody that just has faith for a, a cheeseburger when you, you, you're running low on Have faith that somebody's going to say, you know what, I know we got $5, but I believe that if we hold out a little while longer, God's going to give me a steak. I don't care about the double cheeseburger. So Jesus tells them, he says, just go, just walk away. And then he tells them, he goes in through rejection of people. He deals with the rejection of people. And then he tells the disciples, he said, let's go to a desert place. So first we're going from a desert of, the, of love from everybody else because they don't want to see Jesus for who he is. And then Jesus says, so we're going to go from that. Now we're going to go to a desert place. Now I want to read something to you. The word desert in the Greek, it means lonely. It means desolate. It means uninhabited. It means a desert. It means a place that is uncultivated because it's unfit for growth. It means nothing can grow there. It means something that is deprived of the aid of protection and production. It means desolation. Now the word desolation it means emptiness. It means barren. It means grim. It means sterile. No growth. No growth whatsoever. Do you feel like you're in a stage of your life right now where you're not growing? Do you feel like right now in your life because of everything that's happened in your past, that you are a victim of your environment and where you came from. And ain't it something how we find in this passage of Scripture where Jesus leads them to a place of isolation. He leads them to a place of desolation. We get so caught up with the fishes and the loaves that we don't understand that there is something that is happening in the agriculture of this place. The disciples are telling him, why would you take us to a desert? Let us go into town. And Jesus says, no. Because in town, it's easy. In town, there's, there's everything that you need that you can just, that you can get to. And it's at your fingertips, what you want. In town where it's comfortable, that's your comfort zone. And if you're in your comfort zone, you'll never understand who he is and the power of his might. You'll never understand that when you're in town and when you're in your comfort zone, you'll never understand that you're not going to grow in something that you're comfortable with. You know, I did a study. I used to be, I used to be in pretty good shape. You can't really tell it now. But I was in some good shape. I used to be a bouncer when I was out of church. I was a corrections officer and I always wanted to get bigger. And I wanted to shock my muscles. And as I was doing things to try to learn about how to shock my muscles, I was doing a study and I found out that if you do the same thing over and over again, your muscles will get used to it and they won't grow. So I wouldn't be able to increase what I wanted to because my body had got used to what I had been doing. It's kind of like watching somebody that walks all the time and they don't see a difference. They'll see it in the initial beginnings, but after a while, they don't see any change because they're always walking. But if they would turn that walk into a jog, when they would cause shock to come upon the body. You see, when you shock your system and you shock your flesh and say, we're not going to do what we've been doing and we're going to get out of our comfort zone, 
That's when change is going to come. That's when something happens. You've got to disturb the ground and you've got to get out of your norm. People are saying, well, well, Brother Jeremy, I want to operate this way. I want to do that. But I still want to keep doing what I've been doing. I still want to come in and just sit on the pew. And I just want to go through the motions. And I want to see everybody else do it. But, but I don't want to do anything. I don't want to contribute. I want to stay where I'm comfortable. I don't want God to take me out of where I'm at. And it's those people who will not see the power and effectiveness of God because they're unwilling to move. You know, Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, he said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. And he said, come. You say, why are you using Peter for an example? Peter failed. Yes, Peter failed, but his faith didn't. His faith didn't. He refused to hold back. And so we find Jesus where he is refusing to allow the situation, the location to dictate who he is. You see, when you get the mindset that you refuse whatever's going on in your life to determine where you're going, something will change. Do you believe 100% of this Bible? You believe 100% of this Bible? He said, if you believe on me, the same works that I do, ye shall do, and maybe a little bit. You might touch the surface. That's not what he said. He said, if you believe on me, the same works that I do, ye shall do, and greater. And greater. See, that speaks to me on so many levels. That speaks to me on such a powerful level. You see, while everybody else was worried about food, Jesus was focused on foundation. You see, we look at this passage of Scripture, and man, I've heard it so many times in Sunday schools. I've even preached about it, the fishes and the loaves, but we overlook one pivotal thing. And that's Jesus tells them we're going to a desert place. And then the disciples say, well, we're in a desert place. We can't do anything else. But Jesus only says desert one time. But we find in verse 39 where Jesus tells them to get them in companies and to sit down on green grass. Now that is completely opposite. Why in the world? We see that we're in a desert. We see that this is a place of desolation. We see that it's a place of no hope. And then all of a sudden it changes. Why? Because the desert isn't a desert anymore when Jesus walks in. A desert's not a desert anymore when Jesus walks in. He'll turn the rubble into roses. That's the king that we serve. We find here that Jesus tells them, sit on the green grass. But they were so worried about the food that they didn't understand. You see, pastor was talking about the altar last week. When you come to an altar, it's empty, it's barren, and you, you pour out of yourself and you say, God, here I am. I'm the sacrifice. I'm laying down. You come to an empty location. But what I love so much about an altar is when I come empty, He can cause my emptiness to spur growth. He can speak to the garden where the enemy said it's been rejected. He can look at that garden and say, I don't care what anybody else says. I will cultivate growth in a place where there's no hope. Why? Because that's just who I am. And what I love about it is because of who he is. When he's abiding inside of me, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, that I have the same ability that when I walk into a room, when I walk into a room, the atmosphere has to change because kingdom just walked in. When you walk into a room, it, it, you have to believe it. He said, the same works I do. 
ye shall do in greater. He walked into a desert and caused the agriculture to change. He walked into a desert. He walked into a desert. He didn't even speak to the desert. Do you understand? He didn't even say grow. He just walked in. That's powerful to me. That's so powerful that he could just walk in and everything has to change. Everything has to change. Why? Why would he tell him? Because at the beginning he said we're going to go to a desert place and you're going to find rest. I have never seen watching the Discovery Channel looking at a desert, a place that I would say, man, that looks like somewhere I want to go. But it's amazing to me that God, David said, if you put me, he said, if I make my bed in the belly of hell, there you'll be with me. If you're in the worst part of your life, he can change it. And can I tell you, you have the same power. Read over in Acts chapter 5, where the Bible says that they would bring them out and set them on the streets just so that Peter's shadow, that just his shadow would pass over. And his shadow was so powerful that it changed the culture. See, Jesus can change the agriculture, but we can change the culture. <laughs> we can change uh, we can change the culture. That's why it says in Matthew, he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. You know what that means? That you can take your house, say this is mine. You can say enough is enough. I'm tired of all of this. I have the ability because why? He said the same works he did. I can do in greater. He said the very shadow healed them. The very shadow caused devils to flee. And the word shadow in the Greek, in that passage, Pastor Brandon, it means a capture of light. So you become a funnel <laughs> where glory, not only will it abide in you, but it will flow through you. Jesus said, I'm the vine and ye are the branches. So that tells me that if I get in the vine, that I'm in the vein. And when I'm in the vein, that I'm in the flow. And when I'm in the flow, everything around me has to grow. Why? Because I'll change the culture of where I'm at. That tells me that any place that I go to, if there's emptiness there, if there's depression there, if there's sorrow there, if there's anxiety, if there's bitterness, whatever it is, because I, my brother was saying it earlier, we don't serve a defeated God. He, he can't be impeached. He can't be, a, he can't be dethroned. That tells me that when I walk into a room because of who abides in me, if, where, if I'm where I need to be with him, he'll hear me. He'll honor me. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. So the atmosphere has to change because who is inside of me? He said, sit down on the green grass and you'll find some rest. That's so powerful to me. So powerful. We get caught up with the fishes and the loaves. But he wants to change foundation. You see, he wants something to build on. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. Because of whatever you may have faced before you came into this house, whatever was part of your past, Whatever desert you are in, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, whatever baggage that you're carrying right now, it's not too much for God. Honey, He will help you unpack and He will tell you what you need and what you don't need. You see, Jesus, He said, I'm going to take you somewhere you don't want to go, but I'm going to change it for your benefit to where a favor has to fit you. That's powerful to me that he would change a location where it had to fit my need. That's the God that we serve. Because
flows in perfection. Yes, he does. Why would he? He's not going to go to a desert and have you eat sand crackers. He looks around and he sees all of these people, everybody that had rejected him, that knew him. And then he gets out in the middle of nowhere where something about him drew them in. And he didn't have to say a word. I came to tell you, you don't have to tell the devil who you are. You don't have to give him a resume. You don't have to tell him. I was in a service one time and they were trying to pray for this boy and there was this lady and she says, I operate in this gift. I'm this, I'm that, and I'm the other. You have to listen to me because I'm this, I'm that, and I'm the other. One thing I learned in school was if you're good at something, you ain't got to tell nobody. That's why when the seven sons of Sceva, they tried to cast the devil out. We adjure you by this gospel that Paul preached. We done heard about this because of what somebody else said. And the devil looked at him and said, let me tell you something, Jack. <laughs> Paul I know. Jesus I know. And I'm going to throw some Alabama terminology in here, but who is you? <laughs> but you see, there's something about when you are walking in the power of God, when you are in a relationship, I would go even further to say when you are in an intimacy with God, you don't have to say a word. You can walk into any room and growth and favor will find you. That's what I love about it. It's that relationship with God. I'm not going to hold you very much longer, I promise. And I, I ain't said it a whole lot before then, so y'all can't say, well, he done said that like 30 times. That was my, that was my one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to pray for you <laughs> but you see when you're in school and it's, even when you get older if you see somebody that you like you'll find their friend and you say hey tell me about them what do they like what do I need to do to get them to notice me when you're going through the courting stage that dating stage you're, when you want to get their attention let me tell you how I can find out real quick if somebody's got a relationship with God or not. People will call me on the phone. Hey, Brother Jeremy, what, what, has the Lord told you anything about me? Well, if you was talking to him, you wouldn't have to come to me. Because the last time I read, he fixed it to where we didn't have to go to men anymore. That we could go straight to him. I'm not the go-between. So, I, I, clearly you're having some problems. And clearly you're not talking. And the reason why your desert is still dry, the reason your garden is not growing, is because he's not flowing. And I bet if you would just start talking just a little bit, if you would just start saying, hey, God, look here. I know we left on some bad terms, and you took me somewhere that I didn't want to go. And, but I'm thinking maybe that if I would have just went with your way of things, that where I didn't want to go would end up being where I would grow. It would turn around just like that. We have the ability, church. We have the ability to change every circumstance in our lives. We have that power. Do you understand that the enemy has to ask for permission? The Bible says to be strong, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, doesn't say is a roaring lion, says as a roaring lion, as. I, I, I could go all day on that right there as a roaring lion is seeking whom he may devour. That tells me somebody survives. Because may is a permissible word. That means you have to ask permission. Anybody in here I play mother may I? Some of y'all young folks since Google came along y'all don't really get out much. <laughs> 
I told my kids I was older than Google, and they was like, was it black and white in those days? Like, you know, I, and then I hit them in the throat. And I, just, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't. <laughs> I like to joke too. But, but there was a game when I was in school that we would play. It was called Mother May I. And the way Mother May I would work is you would say, Mother May I take five steps? And she would either say yes or no. But the church is in the same predicament. Our homes are in the same predicament. Because the enemy is saying, may I come in and cause division in your marriage? Oh, yes, you may. May I come in and cause division with your children? Of course, yes, you may. May I allow depression and anxiety and fear because of what happened to you in the past and because what you've been through. May I make, make, make waste to your mind. And then you say, yes, you may, because this happened. I have all of these rights. And yes, you may. And then we wonder why all hell is breaking loose in our home and why our children don't want to listen. And we wonder why everything's going wrong in our mind and we don't have no peace. It's because we have allowed the enemy. We have said, yes, you may take control. Yes, you may say what you want to. But I wish somebody this morning would say, no, you may not. This is my garden. You will not cause me to be destroyed. No, you may not. You may not have my peace. You may not have my joy. And Jesus walked into a desert and said, no, you may not stay desolate. No, you may not stay barren. No, you may. I came to tell you, child of God, wherever you're at this morning, I speak over you. No, you may not stay the same way. I speak life to you this morning. I speak growth to you this morning. As they begin to come back up here, you need to understand that your desert's not a desert anymore. When Jesus walks in, and can I tell you, you have authority and you have anointing when you're working in the kingdom of God when you walk in it has to change it has to change the enemy should not be comfortable sitting at your table a matter of fact he shouldn't be sitting at your table at all in Psalms 23 verse 5 when he says, thou prepare us a table, you know, in Hebrew, that word table means for private use. That it was custom made just for you. That it's only a two-seater table. That it's only supposed to be for you and the king. It ain't meant for your bills. It ain't meant for your problems. It's meant for you and the king. It ain't meant for drama. It ain't meant for Facebook. It ain't meant for everything else. It ain't meant for everything you've been going through. It's not meant for your past. It's meant for you and the king. And whoever it is trying to sit at your table, you need to kick them out the way. And then he says, and I'm trying to shut up, I'm sorry. Then he says, he says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We just look over that word, Brother Brandon, as just enemies as somebody that's just against you. But you realize I was studying that out and the word enemies right there, there's something really compelling about it. That there's a reason why a table is able to sit in the middle of something that is surrounding it that's trying to destroy it. The word enemies in that specific passage of scripture, it means to be bound up and to watch and to shut up. That means the enemy has to shut up and watch you eat. Everybody that said you never make it, won't you say shut up and watch me eat. When the devil said it never happened, shut up and watch you shouldn't be able to grow that way shut up and watch me somebody ought to look at the devil right now and say shut up and watch shut up and watch we find where Jesus changes the agriculture and when Jesus changes the agriculture we can change the culture whatever's going on in this area addiction we can change that some of you in here right now under the sound of my voice you have family members that are in active addiction right now I'm believing that in this service 
growth is going to be so powerful in you when you get around them. He said, if I be lifted up, he said, I will draw all men. That don't just mean the self-righteous and the dignified. That don't just mean, that don't just mean religious people. He said, all men. That's the people that don't want it. They have to be compelled by it. If he's lifted up. I'm believing right now this morning that there's going to be a transference. I'm believing that this morning there's some of you right now that you haven't felt like you were even worthy to stand up and praise God. But I'm believing this morning that you're going to have the boldness in you and an authority in you that you didn't have before. Because I'm going to tell you something. If he walked into your desert, he saw you fit to be a garden. change the world sitting on my pew. I'm going to be a little bold here and he told me I had liberty. But if everybody could, if, if you can, just stand up. I want you to just do something for me. Just stand up. I want you to, once you get stood up, I want you to turn around and put your hand on your seat. That is not your contribution to the kingdom of God. That's not your contribution. It's out there. There are deserts that are out there. There are deserts that have chains on them where the enemy has said you can't come in here. But child of God, you are not restricted you are not restrained. Jonathan told his armor bearer, he said, our Lord shall deliver without restraint. Wherever you go, the atmosphere has to change. So I challenge you this morning, there's some, get somebody on your mind, if it's a family member, a friend, a coworker, maybe somebody that's not here. I want us to line up this morning. We're gonna pray and we're gonna believe 100% that there's gonna be a change in the desert that is around us. There's gonna be a change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Father, fall into grace, done with the hiding, the reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a prayer, so I run to the Father again and again and again.
raise your hands for just a moment God your word Jesus has gone forth God we believe and trust in you we have faith in you Lord Jesus God that we would center ourselves and allow the dry places the deserts of our life become the garden God that grows in the name of Jesus. Cross Faith Church, God spoke to me about this man coming some time ago. And I knew that the ministry and the gifts that God had given him are not the gifts that God has given me. Simple as that. And I believe in the fivefold ministry. I believe that there are teachers, 
there's prophets, there's evangelists. I believe that it's a hand that's held. Whenever I first came here, God had spoken to me very specifically about what his intent and his purpose was. And as most of you here know, especially those of you who have been through Freedom Small Group, we talk about thinking from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, how that, that, that even as Christians, we, we want the ability to be able to judge. And so therefore we'll claim salvation when the intent that God had for our lives was never to be able to judge, but it was simply just to believe and trust and have the life that he gives. Whenever I came here, I knew exactly what the next building will look like. I knew exactly what cross faith, the direction that it was going to go. God opened it up to me. And as Jeremy was talking to my wife and I a while ago, God brought something back to my memory. And I want to tell you this, Molino has a reputation in case you don't know. We the sticks, we the boondocks. We're on the outside of Pensacola. You're on the edge. And God spoke to me. He said, where did I put the tree of life? He said, I put it in the center, in a prominent place. The problem is not where he placed Molino. The problem is the way that we look at it. You may think that this is a desert place where there's people that, let me tell you something, God can take, he says, hey, where does your garden grow? The garden grows where we water it. And I want to tell you something, I believe and God has shown me that there is a tree of life that's planted right in the middle of this church. There's a tree of life that's planted right in the middle of this church. God showed me recently, Pastor Rob, he said, you know the Brownsville revival that took place? That wasn't the end. That wasn't something, it's not, it wasn't because, it wasn't because it was in brand, it's not because of a church. He said, I had an intent to grow something. It doesn't matter where, it grows where you water it. It grows whenever you say, God, I know that you have brought life and that more abundantly. And I accept the life that you are bringing to me. And God, I will step out of my comfort zone. I'll step away from what my expectations are. I know for years I've said there's no way that my family can get off drugs. There's for years I've made the, I've made the decision really and truthfully that my marriage is a desert, that my children are never live for God, that my grandchildren can't really find you. Let me tell you something. God placed a tree right in the middle of where you're at and whenever you'll step up and begin to water something whenever you begin to step up and say God you have given life it's not that God hadn't made, it's not that he's made some decision God's saying look all I'm waiting on you is to make the decision that where you're at that is the garden let me tell somebody this morning in case you don't know where you're at financially is the garden where your finances grow where you're at physically, that is the place where your physical self grows. Where you're at emotionally is the place, but most important, exactly where you are at spiritually, that is the place where God says, I know who you are. I know what you've been fighting. I know what you, I know the questions that you've had. Exactly where you're at. How do we do it? We begin to water by saying, God, let your spirit flow through me. Let it flow through me. God opened this conversation last week when I had the realization that, that it's so easy for us to hold our hands in the holiest of holies and, and stand in the holy place and, and proclaim the word of God and proclaim that he is the light of our life while speaking in tongues in a closet somewhere so nobody knows. Let me tell you something. Where does the garden grow? It's whenever we touch that seed and realize that's not where the church is at. It's whenever we make the realization that I've got to walk back to a place of sacrifice and claim that there is life for somebody else. I may have walked first time up here for a sacrifice of worship but the next time I show up God's given me somebody he's given me a people he's given me a city church God is on the move and I want to hang on to that train that fills the entire temple because whenever he moves he don't lose come on somebody all across the house would you lift your hands heavenly father thank you for what you've done thank you for your anointing Thank you for your presence. We trust you. We love you. We live for you. God, we're going to go out into this world. Our Monday is going to look like our Sunday. Full of faith, full of believing, trusting in you, believing in your word, God. My Tuesday, God, it's going to look like the word that you spoke. 
my Wednesday. I'm going to water my marriage, God. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Not our will. We're here to fight the good fight of faith, to live in life. We speak this over our lives according to your word. We trust you. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus, everybody say in Jesus' name. One more time really loud. Say in Jesus' name. Amen means to so be it. I want everybody in the count of three to say amen. One, two, three. So be it. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Worthy is your name, oh God. Worthy is your name. We trust you. We love you. In the name of Jesus. Hey, if you have not signed up for a small group yet, on the way out there are tables and sign-up sheets. Please, please stop and sign up for a small group. Tell somebody here that you're praying for them, that you love them. Find out how you can lift them up this week. Do the will of God. I love you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.